1950, I went to the seminary to study philosophy and theology and prepare myself for ordination. On that 21st day of July, 1957, when my lifelong dream to become a priest was realized, I was a very naive 25-year-old. My life had been well protected. I had grown up as in a beautifully kept garden surrounded by thick hedges. It was a garden of loving parental care, innocent Boy Scout experiences, daily Mass and Communion, long hours of study with very patient teachers, and many years of happy but very isolated seminary life. I came out of it all full of love for Jesus and full of desire to bring the gospel to the world, but without being fully aware that not everybody was waiting for me. I had only met, and that quite cautiously, a few Protestants, and had never encountered an unbeliever, and certainly had no idea about other religions. Divorced people were unknown to me, and if there were any priests who had left the priesthood, they were kept away from me. The greatest scandal I had experienced was a friend leaving the seminary. Still, life in the garden of my youth was quite beautiful and offered me invaluable gifts for the rest of my life. A joyful spirit, a deep devotion for Jesus and Mary, a true desire to pray, a great love for theology and spirituality, a good knowledge of contemporary languages, a serious interest in Scripture and the early Christian writers, an enthusiasm about preaching, and a very strong sense of vocation. My maternal grandmother, my paternal grandparents, my parents, friends, and teachers all encouraged me to trust my desire to live a life with Jesus for others. When Cardinal Alfring handed me the chalice, I felt ready to start a life as a priest. The joy of that day still lives in me as a precious memory. The chalice was the sign of that joy. Most of my classmates had chalices made for their ordination. I was an exception. My uncle Anton, who was ordained in 1922, offered me his chalice as a sign of his gratitude that a new priest had come into our family. It was beautiful, made by a famous Dutch goldsmith and adorned with my grandmother's diamonds. The foot was decorated with a crucifix shaped as a tree of life from which golden grapes and grape leaves grew to cover the node and the bowl. Around the rim of the foot, these Latin words were engraved. Ego sum vites vos palmites, which means I am the vine, you are the branches. It was a very precious gift, and I was deeply moved to receive it. I remember saying to my uncle, I have seen you celebrating Mass so often with this chalice, can you really do without it? He smiled and said, I want you to have it. It comes from your grandmother, who died too soon to see you as a priest, but whose love for you, her oldest grandchild, is with you today. When I still hesitated to accept the chalice, he said, Take it, but pass it on to the next member of our family who will be ordained. The chalice is still with me, because so far no one else in my family has been ordained to the priesthood. I keep it in the sacristy of the Dayspring Chapel in Toronto, where I now live. I often show it to friends and visitors, but so much has happened during the 37 years that followed my ordination 
that my uncle's decorated golden chalice no longer expresses what I am presently living. During the Eucharist today, I used several large cups made by the glassblower Simon Pierce in Vermont. The precious golden chalice that could only be touched and used by an ordained priest is replaced by large glass cups in which the wine can be seen and from which many can drink. These glass cups speak about a new way of being a priest and a new way of being human. I am happy with these cups on the altar table today, but without the golden chalice given me by my uncle Anton nearly forty years ago, they would not mean as much to me as they do. Introduction The Question In this book, I want to tell the story of the cup, not just as my story, but as the story of life. When Jesus asks his friends,